Bien. John, are we saying then, is, is Scotty saying that the guy in, in the back, in the porn, is Moses? Yes. Yes. Ah, yeah, okay, I figured that. And his eunuch. Okay, guys, welcome back to America. We're going to be chatting with Dr. John Ward and Scotty Roberts a little later about uh, Egypt and Moses and all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, we're going to be joined with uh, the one and only Red Pill Junkie for the intro. But first, as always, how's it going, Graham? As always, I get nothing left of the intro to talk about. Put it out. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Next time you can do it. Hey, I'm doing good, man. Sweet. How you doing, Red Pill? Good to have you here. Pharaoh, let my people go. <laughs> Sorry, Les. Trying to get the people in the audience in the mood. For the thing, oh, yeah, yeah, for the Moses stuff, they're going to. Hear yeah, it was a good interview with uh, coming up on this episode with with Dr. John Ward and Scotty Roberts, and we may actually have, we may actually be able to have them on directly from their Exodus reality tour in Egypt. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun, actually. One of the funner ones. We had to stay up late. That must be why we had so much fun. We were both probably overtired. Yeah, maybe. I think we started at around 11 o'clock at yeah, night yeah. and then bullshitted for a half an hour before we finally got to interview. Yeah. Imagine if we, if you have had someone like John as your history professor in high school. Yeah. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it, it, it would have been I would like have actually taken greatest history. thing ever. I went, I, I went through geography just to breeze through it, I think. Yeah, it was brutal. Geography, just learn how to read the atlas. And we had the teacher that would do the same exam for like five, ten years in a row. So he just had to talk to whoever was in class last year and get the exam off him. Oh God, I really mustn't shouldn't complain because I actually had a pretty awesome history teacher, you know, in high school. The kind of uh, person who will just talk about the subject, you know, like it was some kind of uh, like a story, right? You know, because that's what history is, you know, people who are now listening to Dan Carlin's or Daniele Volelli's podcast, you know, they could appreciate that kind of approach. And I remember that uh, during the test, you know, you will only have like one or two questions to answer. Like, for example, you know, explain the medieval fuel yeah, system, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Only that, but you knew that you have to at least feel like three pages full of data, you know, and, and, and names and dates and all that, you know, I, I, it was good, you know, I, I, I before the internet. History. 
See, I didn't like history when I was younger. I just like, oh, all the remembering, memorizing all the dates and history all that stuff. History was usually like, my favorite. I had a good history teacher in high school too. But now I like it. I've always enjoyed it. And part of the reason is Dan Carlin's hardcore history. I didn't even know that there was aliens in the history when I was in high school. And I would have been extra fucking interested. Mm. Obviously, but alas, those are the kind of subjects that are not part of the They were still part of the curriculum when I was in school. Aliens? Not aliens. History. Oh, history. (laughs) No, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so Red, you were on the Paracast. We we mentioned it on the last uh, episode that just came out. Um, so since then, you've actually been on. And how how was your experience? How'd it go? Oh, it was really pleasant, you know, discussing things with Gene and Chris. It at first I was kind of uh, nervous because I know that in the broadcast they like to. Uh, they like to make, like we discussed earlier, you know, they like to make tough questions to their guests. But it, it really wasn't that at all, you know. It was re- a really nice chat with Gene and Chris, you know. We had a lot of fun. It hasn't been uploaded yet. I think it oh, will okay. be I thought it was, next uh, week. It. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was pre-recorded, you know. They, they, they were very accommodating with my, my schedule because, as you guys know, I have a day job, so uh, uh, recording here uh, for the, the, their live broadcast wasn't wasn't an option at this moment. So we pre-recorded the show on a Saturday morning, and uh, it really felt, you know, the two hours. Ah, oh, that's good. Came and I went think in that the them, when they're challenging people, mm-hmm. it's mainly when when their guests have they're selling something, they're selling a theory or they're selling a. A hypothesis. I mean, I I could see it just being super casual with you because you're just in there with an open mind, you know, like like them looking at everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have zero answers to give about any uh, paranormal phenomena, but you can imagine. I mean, zero answers. I don't have. I mean, the more I know about these subjects, the less I understand. You know, so I have zero answers, and I only hope that I'm making the right kind of questions. Cool. Is there any highlights from it at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I cannot yeah. remember right now because right now it's pretty late, but... You have a uh, bit of a blur, too, and you fly through yeah. something like that. It all blends together. Yeah, exactly. And and they made me... Uh, they uh, asked me some of the questions that were put on the podcast forum, and obviously due to time constraints and all that, not all of the, the questions submitted... Uh, were answered during the interview, but as I wrote today on the forum, you know, after the show is released, I will be more than happy to answer all the other questions that weren't uh, that weren't directly answered during the, the during the interview. Yeah, yeah. You know? Huh? Did you get inter- interrupted a lot? No, 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 no. Nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, there was no problem whatsoever. I really feel that we got in a pretty uh, awesome, you know, there was a rhythm in the in the conversation, right? Well, if it wasn't live, I guess they didn't have to sneak in any commercials, right? There were the, the, the typical uh, interruptions, you know, but another thing that I that I made, sh- made sure to, to do was that I used my smartphone, you know, uh, with a timer. Uh, 
to see, you know, to try to uh, to check when the 10 minute period of the That's second a good idea. will end, you know. So I will, yeah, I think it's it's a good idea, you know. So you know if if you are going to enter into a long winded answer something you said okay so maybe you know i'll be i'll either be brief or i'll try to that's get back great, to it yeah. after yeah. Yeah, the return to the commercials right oh i would mm-hmm. have never thought of that <laughs> i just go to the commercial <laughs> house to i'd have to, i'd be the guy that has to get cut off where he's like where they like try to butt in a couple times and i'm not paying attention yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I think I guess it's I guess it's different in 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 different uh, programs, right? Like for instance, after I talked to the guys from the podcast, I also talked to our friend Micah last Sunday for on, on his Micah Hanks program, and he also has to respect the commercial break. But you know, he's he's uh, like very very casual about it. You know, he will start. Uh, speaking about something, you know, uh, uh, furthering the, the topic, and then he will let you know that you're about to go to the commercial break, you know. So, uh, I don't know. It's he has his 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 own method yeah, yeah. for that. You got any uh, juicy tidbits for us? Well, I have a few. Keep in mind, though, that. We're recording here on a Tuesday night, so you know it's still too early in the week for any of the juicy fortean red pills that get piled up by the end of it. One of the most like weird thing is that oh where do I keep it? Okay, so there were a couple of uh, news involving uh, the Catholic Church and the Pope. One of it was that a reliquary containing the blood of the former Pope John Paul II was apparently stolen on a remote remote church in the mountains in central Italy, and the authorities believe that it was taken by, by some satanic group, you know, who are intending to use the blood for the rituals. The blood was taken? Yes, the reculary apparently had a piece of cloth stained with the blood of uh, John Paul. I think that during the, the that day when uh, Mehmet Aliaka tried to kill him on the St. Peter's Square. Wow. Do you guys remember that day? No, when was that? I think it was in 1980 or 82. John Paul dead? No. He was almost killed. He was almost killed. So he's still alive today? Uh, (laughs) No, man. He has been dead for at at least five or six years. Hmm, Not more. Maybe they're uh, cloning him. No, no, no. But, I mean... Uh, this uh, extraction from the blood is not isn't for me as interesting as the events of that particular day because the man after the uh, the assassination attempt was convinced that the Virgin of Fatima intervened and saved his life 
I, I I don't know if you guys are are uh, interested or know anything about the Fatima apparitions in Portugal in 1917. Yeah, yeah, hundreds of thousands of people, right? Yeah, I mean uh, Jacques Vallée, even uh, in one of, in the, his books, he he gave the opinion that uh, the Fatima apparitions were one of the most important ufological events in, in, in human history. Of course, he, uh, like some other researchers, thought of it not as a, as a religious event, but as a, you know, an anomalous event that was later, like, maybe hijacked or exploited by the Catholic Church, you know, in order to, uh, well, like they painted the events according to to their particular uh, worldview, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then uh, I've, I've always been fascinated by that particular day, so the, uh, John Paul II became convinced that the, the Virgin of Fatima somehow managed to to stop the bullet from, from entering his heart. And even the guy who, who, who did the, 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 the actual... Uh, Attempt Mehmet Aliaka, who is, uh, is also a very, very interesting, a very strange character. So he is from, he was from Turkey. He was part of this uh, subversive group, and really to this day, there's still a lot of uh, unanswered questions about that event because no one really knows who was actually pulling the strings behind behind Aliaka, you know, some people point the fingers to the KGB, to the Russians, because they weren't really too enamored with this Polish Pope who was, you know, came from a from a country, you know, still under the the rule of the Iron Curtain back in those days. And some other people even go as, uh, as far as to blame even uh, the CIA or some American organization because they knew that after that, you know, the Pope will be even more anti-communist. And, well, there's no denying, you know, that after that, uh, the Pope believed that he needed to consecrate Mother Russia, as it were, you know, consecrate Russia to the heart of the Virgin Mary, you know, in order to end communism, you know, who he obviously saw in his worldview that communism was a plight on humanity. And well, you know, 10 years after that, guess what, you know, the, the, the Gorbachev enters uh, into the arena, he starts Perestroika and, and the Berlin Wall and the Soviet Union ends. So there's a lot, yeah, so there's a lot of really who knows what what actually happened and maybe there were some kind of unseen forces behind the curtain. But there's no denying that that uh, fateful day, you know, uh, so many years ago, uh, changed the course of history. That was like what 1917 or something? Uh, yes, uh, it was from May 1917 
the last one was October 13, 1917. So the, uh, the, the apparitions first started with these little three shepherd kids, you know. The oldest of them was Lucia, Lucia dos Santos. She was actually the only one who could, be, who could actually hear the voice of the Virgin Mary. The other, the other kids and the other witnesses will only hear, and this is very interesting, guys. Like, they will uh, uh, claim that they only hear like the, a sound similar to the buzzing of bees. <clears throat> so that's that has some kind of of ufological connotations. Yeah. And people that are, we could be interested in this, I highly recommend that you pick pick up a copy of the book Heavenly Lights, which was written by two uh, Portuguese researchers. One was Joaquin Fernandez, and the other was. Uh, That's okay. We'll link to it in the show notes. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. So, uh, Chica Bruce is right right now. Is probably <clears throat> screaming at his iPod at her iPod because I forgot. Uh, Pina okay. Dermada. Pina Pina Dermada is the other the other writer. So. <laughs> so can you? I want to get back to that fucking app. cloth. No, the app we were talking about before <laughs> ah. we were recording. Okay. The the fucking oh, what was it you were talking? The global coherence random numerator yeah, number not, generator app. Not alien yes. contacting app. The other one. <laughs> yeah, it's the collective so, consciousness so, app. Why are you thinking that if Fatima happened now and we all had that app, that there'd be like some major? No, not totally unrelated. <laughs> just that was just a bad segue. Okay. <laughs> So I do need, is there a connection with that and the bloodstained cloth? I just want to oh, yeah. clear, up, clear up that. Before. Right. So the blood was apparently taken during that assassination attempt. Okay. Yeah. And you what have to keep do with it. Uh, the, the people who robbed it, who knows? But the people who were keeping it in that church, well, they were keeping it as some kind of... Um, Catholic relic. You have to keep in mind that uh, Pope John II is about to become a Catholic saint in next April. Weird how you just become a saint like that. You do a lot of good, a lot of good to be a saint. No. But then people pray to, be, to you? It, uh, people ask for people ask for your intercession. So the idea of the Catholic saint is that these guys, you know, are so close to God that if you ask them, you know, for a favor or something, you're in need of something, and you, they are like, they are like spiritual middlemen, if you know what I mean. You know, the yeah, in, in yeah. The, they got the they Catholic, got the the juice with God, kind of. Exactly, you know, they have the connections, man. You know what I mean. So you, instead of you going for, for the top guy, you know, up above, you know, you go with the middleman, you know, you ask for, you even bribe them because that's what, you know, that's what actually Catholics actually do, you know, you, you, you pray for them and say, oh, if you do this for me, you know, I will make an offering or something, or I will go to the church and I will uh, put a frame in, on, on, on the church wall, you know, depicting how you helped me, you know, with my problem or something like that. It's it's very strange, you know. In Mexico, you see the way people 
idolize because that's actually the name they should you you should give you know they idol they idolize saints the catholic church they, they call it veneration but it's just fucking semantics you know so what the spaniards did is when they only switched the heathen aztec idols you know from the people they only replaced them with their uh, their their Catholic saints and the people kept doing the same thing you know they will keep doing their rituals you know or make them offerings you know of of food and, and and drink and whatever you know and that's happening to this day so it's it's kind of strange you know it's it it sure makes a lot of sense when you're still in that kind of mindset you know when you when I was a, still a Catholic you know I could fairly understand how why will you will uh, try to pray to a saint but now <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it's it really all coming like, clear yeah it's it, it's nothing but veil veiled polytheism you know yeah yeah so you have the main god who is god ah, yeah, you know yeah. you have the lesser gods who are christ you know jesus and his uh, his mother the virgin mary yeah, you yeah. know and below those, all his, all these demigods, yeah, you know, yeah, the saints, the saints, are yeah, the saints. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. So it's basically the same thing. Yeah, and then you have even below that, you have the. Yeah, so now you know that someone is hearing this, and it's it's communicating me. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, let's jump yeah. over to that app now. I want to hear more about that thing. Okay, let's go to the app, the co- the collective consciousness app. It's something I wrote about last week because our good friend Chris Savia, who is managing the Twitter feed for Anomalous News, wrote about it for Who Farted. And I, when I wrote, I, I read about it, it, you know, it blew my mind and I said, fuck yes, this is awesome. So this is the idea that you guys are, are you are you guys aware of the global consciousness project is that is that the one at princeton though like the the princeton one or the global coherence initiative because there's a couple different global consciousness type things yeah i guess there's more than one right so i think that the global consciousness project was being run by penn state university I'm probably speaking out of my out of my ass here. So, well, anyway. Well, it's the meaningful that, correlations in random data, right? Is what's on here. The Global Consciousness Project. That's probably the one. So, the gist of the Global Consciousness Project is that they they use what they call random number generators or RNG. These are fairly sophisticated machines that are always releasing strings of zeros and ones but the idea is that the the strings of zeros and ones are completely completely random so uh, the idea behind the project is that uh, after some very uh, important and meaningful event happens in the world you know for example i don't know uh, 9-11 in 2001 or the death of Nelson Mandela, or, you know, whatever, you know. Justin Bieber getting arrested? (laughs) 
maybe even that, you know, I mean, I, I saw that in Fox News, that is far more important that, that, than, than interviewing a congresswoman yeah. or the NSA, you know, forget about the, 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 the State of the Union. And let's hear what happened with fucking Justin Bieber. Did you see that one, Darren, at all? Justin Bieber? That interruption, though, when they were doing the news interview and... No, I don't talking about this real on. serious NSA stuff, and then well, it was flying around online, obviously, oh, as a clip. And then if they I go, "Oh, Bieber, hold on!" They interrupt them, and then go, "Wait, wait, wait! We have breaking news!" And then they go to Justin Bieber getting arrested. Nice. Yeah. It's classic. <laughs> I, see, it I did see classic the classic example of what's him going beside on. Miley Cyrus and asking if they're the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but getting back to the the app, guys. So the app is basically turns your phone into a random number generator. Basic, basically, that's that because you know, to the uh, all most of the quote unquote random number generators are not actually that random. So there was always some kind of uh, skepticism whether those kind of global events will actually cause a detectable uh, effect in the stream of randomness in those machines. So the idea is, I think the, the rationale behind this app is that if we can increase the number of generators, you know, and we spread those generators all around the world, the way that right now we have all these iPhones, you know, released uh, in God knows how many countries, you know. If we could, you know, tap uh, and use like a significant percent of those iPhones and turn them into random number generators, it will be a a, a very interesting way to see if we can, they can uh, gauge uh, significant changes, you know, in 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 this stream of numbers in those in those iPhones you know I mean it it will be like really having these sophisticated sophisticated sensors you know so so if something major happens that the globe knows about it you would see the difference uh, maybe in in time in time frame like when the when the numbers would go coherent maybe it'd get more more of the same number than you're supposed to, I would imagine. Yeah, but you'd see it in different times, right? So you'd see it evolve through, like, you know, tonight you'd see it happen somewhere, and then maybe in another part of the world in the morning you'd see it happen, you know, or or in certain areas more so than others. Yeah, maybe it's more localized than in others. For example, yeah. I don't know, maybe. Maybe it happens yeah. before the event even happens. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Maybe... Uh, Let's put, an, let's put up a concrete example here. Like, imagine that tomorrow there is a, an extremely powerful earthquake in Mexico City, right? Okay. And maybe these guys, they can check on the data, you know, the metadata from the iPhones that, having that, uh, have that app installed that are located here in Mexico City. And maybe they can see, oh, so there was a significant change in the data from those uh, iPhones and then it kind of become more widespread. And maybe uh, like 12 hours after that, 
it the became world, the the effect became worldwide, right? But but it had you know like an like a hundred mile radius or something even before the event happened. You know? Yeah, some kind of psychic epicenter, if, if, yeah, you, yeah. if you can call it like that. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I like so that. I don't know. Maybe maybe it will work. Maybe it won't. But that's the kind of thing that really makes me excited of living in this age right now because yeah, we're, yeah. we're being endowed with this kind of extremely extremely powerful technology and we can we can either use it to you know the same kind of fucking thing that we've been using it so far like seeing uh, cat videos or we can hey, be cat. there's nothing wrong with cat videos man <laughs> i was gonna post some of my own actually well, America, I hope. Okay, so Zeus is the exception to the rule. <laughs> Speaking of technology, did you uh, did you download your Grammarica flyer yet? Uh, sure, sure, yes, of course. <laughs> I have printed like a hundred copies of it right now. This one is fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to do it tomorrow, first first day, first hour. Yeah, that that's uh, very similar, actually. Now we can, with the technology that we have today, people can print out their Grimerica flyers from all over the globe and actually like physically go paste them somewhere and take a picture. Mm-hmm. I really need to think on a really cool place where I could actually put the flyer. Yeah, on. I got a couple in mind already here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see Jared's out in full force. Good old, good old Jared. Thanks, buddy. Kiwi ambassador. Yeah, thanks, Jared. He, he tweeted me a picture of his. He must have thirty or forty flyers piled up, ready to go. Nice. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like that thing you're talking about, though, technology-wise. Like all it really takes nowadays is our imagination to to make stuff happen, right? Using yeah. like, mm-hmm. our imagination and technology, and, and we can make shit. We can change shit. Change the world. Think like twenty years ago. We'd be recording the show onto cassette tapes and then handing them out around town. Exactly. You know, don't, it would I be mean, shit. That would be super shitty. It would be crap. Even worse than it is now. But speaking about technology, because after all, technology can break down and it's fallible, I have some bad news to give you, Darren. I know that you are such a big fan of the China's Jade Rabbit, you know, that the rover that is right now, you know. The moon rover? On the moon, yes. And it's some people saying that the Jade Rabbit the Jade oh, Rabbit shit. has its no, that, that the Jade Rabbit has its days numbered. That it's about to break down and die. Well, you know, I'm not surprised really. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, launching a, a successful mission to the moon, you know, have some, you know, shit landing su- success, you know, safely, and then, you know, to have it work, it's it's an enormous achievement, man. At least the Mars but, rover found a rock, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that Mars rover has been operating for 10 fucking years, man. You know, talk about that milestone of, a, of an achievement. Is that... Has fucking Curious Rover been there 10 years already? 10 years no. last week. No. 10 fucking years. That's scary. That's fucking no. crazy. 
that's like you know tri triple the race of the guy who designed the fucking thing because that was awesome engineering but also well, that makes you feel incredibly old or it makes me think not old but it makes you think that time goes by fucking fast but it's, isn't it in a way reassuring to think that we've been no wait maybe i'm thinking of another one did we just send another one there curiosity that's been 10 years no 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 that's uh, only been i think that was launched uh in 2012. Three years ago. Yeah. yeah. I was like, holy fuck. No, no, no. In 2012. It's, if memory serves right. So which one were you talking about? Opportunity. Oh, yeah. Remember that they, oh, yeah, they launched... Didn't it get stuck in the mud? Hasn't it been stuck for a while anyway? It's, uh, Spirit Dive, I think, in 2009. Yeah, I thought the other one was stuck in the mud. Is it still rolling around? I watched... I remember watching a documentary where it was showing, like, the fucking hard fucking deal that this fucking little fucking rover has had and he just keeps miraculously getting out of all this one situation after another. Like, yeah, one of the sitcom. It's one of it the wheels. It's no longer working, you know, and it has a lot of problems. Just been um, going around in circles for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor thing. No and then it found been, a rock. Drilling a self drilling a hole in the ground. I think it's a struggle uh, there's this map this, that is shown in one article that was uh, posted on NBC News, you know, showing how much he has traveled on, during all these years. And it's just several kilometers, man. I mean, like, at least 20 or more. I go farther than that every day. Obviously, man, but you wouldn't be able to survive one single fucking day, you know, in Mars. We'll see. So, guess what? Speaking of Mars, you got rejected. What? I got some disappointing news for you. Oh guys. no! Yeah. No! <laughs> I didn't even make the first cut. Really? Yeah. Did they say why? No. No. You know what they did? You know what they said? They advertised about you know astronauts have to apply more than once to actually get selected. Real astronauts. So. You're going to have another chance to be... Uh, so I think what they're going to do is go after everybody for another round of money. <laughs> so what, what this are the things? I'm written all yeah. over it. Jesus, so these are the Martian pimps? Yeah, yeah. We are, no, yeah. we didn't... We, we want yeah. to see who's more tenacious. Yeah, send your application yeah. again and, and we'll give it another... This time go. it's only 30 bucks if you already tried once. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the MY business model to get to fucking Mars, man. You know, the, the Tupperware model. <laughs> it's, it's the fucking pyramid the Martian scam of all times. Yeah, that's funny. More and more. God you got, damn it. I think I'm going to have to go back a few episodes, but I'm pretty sure there's an episode back there somewhere where I'm telling you that you were getting scammed out of your money. Oh, I'm sure that that was in every episode back then. Probably. Every single fucking one. So we want to talk about having another Passport Grime Erica episode. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, guys, uh, download your flyers. We see a bunch of, bunch already, so we appreciate it. Uh, we got no pictures coming in yet, but I'm sure we'll get them soon. Um, go to uh, grimerica.ca slash flyer, and you can download it right there. But yeah, Passport so what, episode. The week, 
the winner will be in the passport episode? No, no. Well, we'll we'll get the winner something probably. We'll see who wins, and then we'll see what they want. Maybe like a t-shirt, a sweater, <laughs> a hollowed out book, a romantic date with Graham, a gra <laughs> a Graham calendar. Yeah, you know, with seals covering his <laughs> Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, Poor Zeus, he'd be traumatized. <laughs> no, yeah, we're going to we're going to plan another passport episode maybe for the end of February or mid-March sometime okay, in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh we'll give okay. you guys a lot of lead time on it so you guys can basically just start emailing us um if you want to get in on it and we'll we'll pick a couple nights we can schedule a few calls in a night and we'll we'll put it all together into an episode yeah and we'll just have people like sort of like a call-in thing but we'll be calling you kind of thing and then we'll yeah. just talk about your favorite favorite strange topics or what you uh whatever you guys want to talk about yeah exactly the kind of thing you'd normally do live but it's kind of tough in the podcast format so We've got the power to spread it out over a few days and, and get in touch with people. So that's how that that's how we're gonna do it for now. Awesome. Uh, but I think that should about do it for this uh, this intro. Um, we got our chat with Scotty and John coming up next. Of course, next week we'll be talking with uh, Daniele Bellelli. Uh, that's a great chat. You guys will enjoy that. Um, but uh, thanks for coming on, Ride. Anytime, guys. Always a pleasure, and see you yeah, we'll next see, week. Yeah, we'll see you soon, buddy. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, enjoy the interview, and we'll uh, we'll pick you up on the other side. America with us tonight. We'll be talking with Dr. John Ward, an Egyptologist living over just outside of Luxor, I think, and uh, Scotty Roberts. He's been to Grimerica uh, before, so that was way back in the early days, so, so it'll be good to talk to him again. Uh, but first, as always, how's it going tonight, Graham? Hey, Darren. I'm doing pretty good, buddy. Yeah, it's good to be here. Sweet. We got, uh, like you said, Dr. John Ward here, who's working on... Uh, on a dig there called uh, Gabel El Sicilla. He'll have to correct, uh, correct my pronunciation later, but it's called the Sirius Project too. And and uh, Scotty Robertson and John Ward have written a book together called Excess Reality that we're going to talk about. They've got a tour going on in Egypt at least, uh, I think a couple times a year we want to talk about. And uh, I saw both these gents at Paradigm 2014, uh, 2013 and got a chance to to do a little bit of kind of live radio with those guys. So it's good to catch up with you guys. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. John, so, you are sounding crystal clear from Luxor. 
Well, of course I am. I'm on my steam-driven internet. Ah, very good. <laughs> you know, you always got to trust a man with a shovel compared to I've technology. got a couple of slaves out back running on, the, on that little <laughs> treadwheel right now. Yella, yella. <laughs> Makes me think of old John Henry. <laughs> Remember that song? No. Fought, <laughs> Before my time, with his, fought the steam shovel with his with his hammer and his and his and his chisel. Yeah, your connection I, sounds better than uh, than Mexico's connection. Like we have uh, Red Pill Junkie on frequently, and uh, yes. that's always a challenge uh, with those connections. I miss I, like Red I miss Pill. Red Pill. I think we should. All, are we all wearing our little wrestlers masks? Our, our, uh, Luchador. 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 I thought that was so funny. Mm-hmm. That was so funny at Powered Him. Did he have it again this year? Yeah, and these guys were trying them on. <laughs> you should see the pictures <laughs> of these guys wearing the Luchador around this this table full of mics and doing live radio, and they're laughing so hard. Like, I've, oh, I haven't seen a... you guys laugh that hard ever since I've that since that I've was the here. the broadcast that we thought for sure we would be pink slipped. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> we were. We were. There was definitely uh, hmm, nefarious goings on. There were nefarious goings on that led to, to abnormal hijinks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but it was a, a, a damn good show. Damn good show. So, so how are you guys? That. Uh, we're good. Yeah, we're doing Life great, man. The podcast is going great. Life is good. Uh, good start to the new year. You know, the weather's a little bit a bit suspect in Calgary, but it's going pretty good. I mean, you guys are in Canada. That's true. Yeah. You know, God's the country. God save the queen, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, God save the queen. Uh, no, yes. Not you, uh, Mr. Roberts. You're I'll in America. You on, I'll see you on the 4th of July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did you catch our show, by the way, gents? A little bit. Uh, we caught, I think, the last 45 minutes or so. Did you oh, catch right. the part where Mr. Sir Scotty Roberts had a dig at me for being British and colonial <laughs> and uh, a royalist? Where he brought up the IRA, he brought up the Scottish oh, debate, he I... brought up the Irish debate, the Welsh debate, uh, the Commonwealth debate. I mean, I, I don't think there was actually one part of the uh, the British Isles that he and, didn't debate. And also a revolution in Irish cooking and cuisine oh, as compared to... Um, uh, British blokes in England walking into a pub and ordering, it's alive a pint of bl- bitters and, and a fat sandwich, please, along with some bloody congealed head cheese. <laughs> and shepherd's pie. pie. Fish and <laughs> chips, isn't it? Fish and chips. Fish and chips. That's, that's, that's Why do you think Canada's never had a revolution? Um, We're too big and there's not enough people here. There it is. <laughs> I think it's because of the French. It's called, <laughs> yes, that's why. It's called two people per square mile landmass. Yeah, exactly. uh, I think yeah, it has to do with the French. They realize they're going to do it again. Quebec's always you know, fucking talking about leaving, but they never actually go. I actually no. wrote a story, a science fiction story for comic books back about, uh, oh man, 25, uh, 25, 15 years ago, based on the Battle of Quebec when. Uh, um, uh, Robert Montgomery, colonial general, marched the colonial American armies up to Quebec, and they were going to take the fort at Quebec. Um, so they marched the army all night long, and what should happen just before dawn? A blizzard hits. <laughs> and uh, uh, the first thing that happened is all the officers take the men and they charge the fort at Quebec, and the officers in Quebec ordered grape shot to be fired out of the cannons. 
grape shot, meaning all sorts of bits of chunks of metal and rock and and uh, nails and things like that all put in the cannons. And they took out all the officers in the first volley. And it took about 1,200 prisoners of the American colonials. And I guess it was one of the uh, one of the uh, generals leading there. I think he was a general was uh, the famous uh, or infamous uh, Benedict Arnold. Wow. And, uh, so uh, that was the, the Battle of Quebec City, a complete and utter failure on the part of the colonial army during the American Revolution. Hmm. I was born in Montreal, actually. Oh, you were? Yeah, so I lived in Quebec for uh, the first eight years of my life. We don't hold it against them, though. <laughs> uh, you haven't known the, uh, the folk, do you know the folk group Tanglefoot? No, I don't think so. They're, they're no. from up in that, I think Breton Harbor is where they're from, but they have a song that talks about uh, World War One, Vimy, and they talk about uh, uh, spending the rest of his days in Montreal. That's huh. what that makes me think of. Total non sequitur, but there it is. So you guys have your uh, radio show going. How's that? Now, that's called Intrepid Radio, and that's on KGRA, right? The Global Alliance? Oh, yeah. Yes, and that's uh, it's going very well. We launched our show in July. And, uh, oh, my God, it's been that long already? It's been that long yeah. already. Can you believe that? And uh, the guests that we've had on have been spectacular. The nights we don't have guests, we like tonight, uh, we just launch into topics. What kind, uh, we, what kind of guests do you have on? Oh, boy. Our, our guests have ranged from, um, I think one of our first guests was Robert Bavall. Um, we, uh, um, more of our guests were uh, here. Uh, we had uh, Dr. Robert Schock on. Uh-huh. We had uh, Laird Scranton on. Uh, we have had, uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you a rundown of some of our guests. It's just been, it's been a phenomenal run so far. But uh, um, David Weatherly, um, we had uh, Marie D. Jones, Larry Flaxman, we had Thomas Fusco, uh, Nick Redfern, uh, we had L.A. Marzuli, Dan. Oh, Madsen. that was a, he was a great guy. To oh, what a great, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's cool. so pumped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything he says, but man, he's cool. And uh, Scott Walter, host of uh, America Unearthed on H two. Yeah. Um, Barry Schwartz, he's the guy that uh, did the. Uh, Shroud of Turin research back in the late that 70s. That was a phenomenal interview. A phenomenal interview. Mm. We had Good the whole, whole team at Gebel El Silsila live from Gebel El Silsila. Yeah, uh, that's very that cool. Was no, we that had, was fun. Uh, uh, who else have we had on? We had uh, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe. He was the uh, resident skeptic, if you remember, on the Brit show Most Haunted. Um, we had Chris Conway, who was also the psychic medium on that show for a while. We had Robert Murch. And uh, Brandon Hodge, they are uh, uh, Ouija specialists. Uh, uh, we had author Jeff Doherty. Um, like Ouija board specialists? Yes, Ouija boards. He's uh, got a Ouija board uh, uh, museum. He's done Whoa. history on the Ouija board. That's a bit freaky. What would you think of that one, John? That was, I, I, I was really – it, it was kind of a weird interview, really, because it was – they didn't really go much into the history of it. It was more postmodernism about the, how the Ouija board has infiltrated society and so forth. Um, we didn't really get into the paranormal side of it really at all, did we, Scotty? No, no, it was really the history of it. It was uh, the history of it. How board. it works. Um, yeah. A little bit of this, the, the, the occultist side of it, if you will, and occultism actually has that bad rap about it. A couple of weeks later after that show, uh, we did a, a show just on occultism itself. Uh, I'm sorry, a couple of weeks, a couple of months after that show. Uh, we did one on, on occultism and talking about what is occultism really? 
you know, you get this bad rap about occultism, and occultism is just really the study of spiritual things and spiritual thinking outside the realm of traditional Judeo-Christianity. And uh, so it, it was, uh, that was an interesting interview. Oh, you know, we had uh, Dr. Charles Ailing on the show. Dr. I like that guy. Uh, I Very, love Dr. Ailing. He was amazing. Some of the anecdotes he was coming out because he'd been, he was here on uh, digs in Valley of the Kings during the early 70s and so forth. Of course, Luxor has transformed beyond recognition since he was here. Yes. Uh, when he was here, there was nothing on the West Bank. The West Bank was devoid of any houses or any infrastructure. Um, and today, it, it's a sprawling town. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting to hear what he had to say and how, how they went about things, especially during was, those days. What was neat about having Dr. Ailing on is uh, way back when I was 12 years old, no, 11 years old, um, I was in Sunday school at church. And we were in a big church, a big, uh, what we call a fortress church nowadays, one of those huge churches with 2,000 members, and there's a, 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 a high sun, school. In Sunday the school in the 30s? Yeah. <laughs> 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 well said. I, I will take that in stride. John, don't you laugh. You're catching up on this <laughs> old man. Sorry, Scotty, couldn't resist. <laughs> I hear you. Well, Dr. I hope that was recorded. <laughs> I'm sure it was, John. I'd like that. As a you have your, have your laugh while you're eating your fat sandwich over there. Um, jealousy is such an ugly thing. Jealousy is ugly, yes. Um, but Ailing was the guy. Uh, we had a Sunday school teacher, and he, he had all us guys in the class do little reports for the next week. And he gave me uh, the Pharaoh of the Exodus. And they said, you know, you should talk to Dr. Oh, well, not even Dr. They sh you should talk to Chucky Ailing, I was told. Wow. He's been over there. And uh, so I talked to Chucky Ailing. And, uh, and he's about 15 years older than I am, thereabouts. And uh, he was going through his doctoral, his doctoral uh, uh, studies at that time. And uh, he, he gave me information on who he believed was the Pharaoh of the Exodus, which is what I've stuck with for 30, almost 40 years over 40 years now, and uh, um, still wrong. <laughs> he went, and yes, and still aging, and, and uh, he went on to become the uh, president of the seminary where I attended. Um, he has been the chair of history at Northwestern University, or the University of Northwestern, they call it, up here in Minnesota, uh, for the last 25 years. He has been recently elected the president of the Near Middle East Archaeological Society, um, and, uh, this man, uh, he came on our show and it was just fascinating to have an old friend who has been an old professor of mine, uh, come on the show and, and talk. And that, that was just a wonderful show. It was great to see Scotty so humble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he humbles me. He is a man who humbles me. John, for all the joking we do, I, I have to say John Ward is a man that, um, even though he is, uh, just a couple of years younger than I am. Um, I see him as a man who is a mentor to me. Um, there are elements of John that has, and, and don't laugh at this, that is almost father figure to me, as well as being my closest, dearest friend. Uh, he's a man who has taught me things that I didn't know. Um, uh, he is a man that, that uh, I can go to John if I have a question on Egyptology, uh, history, and, and John just knows and uh I got to tell you, I, I, for all the joking we do, and the joking comes from 
Um, if you remember the movie Stand By Me, which came out about 25 years ago, uh, they said, uh, the narrator said, as boys, he said, he says, the truest form of love and friendship uh, between, between boys when I was growing up was to be able to have the best insult for each other's mothers. And, uh, um, and uh, so John and I, well, while we have that, pardon the noise there, I knocked something off my desk. Uh, the, the, the best thing about John and I is the joking comes from, from me, a deep love and respect for this man. And, uh, uh, and I hope that that shines through the joking or that the joking shows what res utter respect I have for Dr. John Ward. And uh, I love working with him and writing with him and uh, traveling with him in Egypt. And now we're taking this tour in three weeks. Uh, we're bringing people over to do the Exodus reality tour. And uh, it's just going to be, it's a phenomenal relationship, a phenomenal friendship. Uh, there's something from my old biblical training uh, that always comes to mind when I think about John. Uh, it says, uh, "It says, as iron sharpens iron, so does a man, and does so does a man with his friend." Yeah, I could see that about John. Even though he, you how know, the, he, how, how the hell am I meant to answer all that? Yeah. What was my comeback? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't a question. <laughs> it wasn't I'm a question. Up, yeah? <laughs> it wasn't a question. You don't even have to answer that. Yeah, exactly. That. Just, it's, just it's, take it. Just say thank you. <laughs> this is this is what this is why I respect John Ward. So. I love you too, bro. I love it's you, brother. Okay, so you, so you mentioned your your tour. I, I noticed on online it says it's sold out. So yeah, let's talk yes, about that. Know, Before we get into that, actually, I I want to mention real quick. We might not have uh, had a revolution, John, but we did uh, go to war with the states once a long time ago, and we all know how yes, that turned out. You burned mm -hmm. our White House. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Obama's doing that for you again. Yeah. Yes, he is. Oh, but um, ching. Quicker than I thought, too. Quicker than I thought it was possible. You know, yeah, you guys had to bring a whole army down. He did it all by himself. Yeah, well, he's got a, he's got a bit of help. He does. He's, he's got an army of his own there. So, I actually quite uh, like Obama. I think he'd be a great guy to have a, a, a beer with and arm wrestle him to decide who gets to pay the tab. You know, he's, he's probably a decent guy. Um, but I think he, to me, he represents political ideals and philosophies that, uh, if you, you know, you think of Rush Limbaugh and everybody either loves him or hates him, but he made a statement when Obama was elected and he said, I hope he fails. And everybody, oh, there was all this hue and cry about it. And Rush uh, got on his show and he said, let me explain that. He says, I hope he fails because if he succeeds, I believe from my political philosophy, philosophical standpoint, he's going to ruin our country. So I want, he needs to fail because if he succeeds, he will turn this country into something that it was never meant to be. And so uh, I have always hoped he would fail at what he, not as a man, but at what he's trying to implement. Um, and, and that's from my political point of view. There's going to be other points of view out there, of course, obviously. Do you think he actually has any real power, though, or do you just think he's more of a, an Illuminati Freemason puppet? That, 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 that's the big conspiratorial question, isn't it? Uh, does any president really have power? Um, I believe they do, just as any other ruler of a nation does. The thing is, he's, he's elected, and he can also be taken out of office uh, if he violates the thing that I have found about Obama that bothers me and makes you wonder conspiratorially is 
He has so violated the Constitution in so many different ways, and yet he's almost Teflon. He, he skirts. Uh, now, now, granted, his ratings right now are at the lowest they've ever been. Now, the pundits from the other side will say, well, every president in their second term always goes through a, a, a low approval rating. But right now, take just Obamacare, for instance. Um, his voter block, when he was elected the first time and the second time, was primarily built up of the younger people in the nation, kids uh, who are 18 and older. And uh, uh, in college and so on, he appealed to them on many different levels, and that's how he won the election, I believe. Uh, but with the implementation of Obamacare, that is supposed to be paid for. They were hoping and planning that that voter base was going to be the base that was buying into Obamacare. And um, the, the, the majority, I think they were planning on over 65% of people signing up from Obamacare would be between the ages of 18 and 35. The problem is people between ages 18 and 35 represent less than 11% right now of people who bought into Obamacare, and it's destroyed their prognostication so far. And uh, they're doing everything they can to try to save this. And uh, whereas, you know, my, my main problem with Obamacare is it's unconstitutional. Um, that's a states level thing. Mm. Uh, independent states. It is not a federal government issue. The federal government cannot put up a product that is in that is in competition to another product and force you to buy it. Otherwise, right. if you don't buy it, you're taxed or otherwise penalized. That is a big no-no. And there's another thing, and I, I just have to say this again, it's a Rush Limbaugh quote, but uh, I've used it and modified it. At the last election, he said, our nation can survive another four years of Obama. He says, what I don't think our nation can survive is a majority of the populace that would reelect him. <laughs> and uh, and there's, there is truth right there. So... Uh, Anyway, I tend to be somewhat conservative in my viewpoints. And, uh, I look at really? the whole White House <laughs> scene as more of like the entertainment division of the military-industrial complex. Like that. Oh, man, <laughs> that's truth. Did, didn't you tell these guys, Darren, that the one rule we do have in Grand America is we don't talk about politics? Or... Well, it's fun once in a while. <laughs> I wasn't talking politics. I was talking about my opinion. <laughs> so what do you guys want to talk about? Okay, let's John, let's talk about your uh your fourteen day serious. your fourteen day like Exodus reality adventures. Because I've uh, been to Egypt. I spent a month in Egypt and yeah. it was quite the adventure. I was with uh nine other people that I'd met from all over uh they were from all over the world that I'd met traveling around Israel. So but I mean seeing it like that with a group of sort of backpackers is one thing, but seeing Egypt with you two guys uh, it would be quite another. So can we talk about that a bit? Yeah, of course you can. Sure. Uh, we're we're, we're going to uh, kick off in Cairo, uh, starting, of course, with uh, the Great Pyramids itself and the Sphinx and all the other sites and uh, to see within the Cairo district, Saqqara and so forth. Um, and bearing in mind, you know, it, it's it's not your, your, your standard tour group, you know, onto a coach, turn up, Get your sandwiches out. Listen to some guide whittle on from a from a guidebook and give you the standard blurb, and then get you back on after you bought a postcard or two, and then back onto the bus and take you to the next site. Um, 
with us guys, it's it's uh, it's very probably very similar to yourself, Darren. You know, the old backpacker route. You know, it's it's get there, um, and once we're there, it it we're on our own. You know, it, it's you're going to have, as you know, Scotty and myself there with us. Uh, we've got uh, Chris, uh, the medium from uh, England's most haunted, Chris Conway. Oh. We've also We've also got our own guide, Egyptological guide as well. Now, we have to have one of those along with us anyway. That, that, that comes as the bye-bye. But the guy that we're having, he's a little bit uh, unorthodox, shall we say. He's a, he thinks outside the box. So that's going to be kind of cool to listen to what he has to say. Um, but at the same time also, what we're hoping to do, arrange at most of the sites, is that we're going to have our own uh, on-site specialists who are actually from the site themselves. And they'll be able to give us their point of view and the actual the pinpoint the actual historical points that are prevalent to what we're discussing ourselves um you know it's not going to be we were f- quite frightened when we started this i must admit to be honest with you darren um we were quite frightened that it was turning out to be some kind of like some some biblical bible study group <laughs> and it, we wondered if that oh, yeah. was being perceived huh. um and we, we tried to steer away from that because that's not what it's about you know yeah, yeah. Scotty and I were going to retrace our footsteps in our original expedition that we carried out last February. Um, but what we're looking at is we're looking at the history that pertains to our characters. Um, but at the same time, of course, take in the, the history of Egypt itself, its culture, and all the way right back. You know, we're going to be going to Sorsilla, and at Sorsilla we'll be able to travel back 10,000 years. So, you know, it's nothing, it's not just the Moses character and Exodus reality, our book, per se. Right. Um, that plays a major part of it, of course, but it is also the, the, the entire history of Egypt. You know, we're going all the way from Cairo and we're going to be ending up in Abba Simbel down on the Sudanese border. Yeah, the, that's amazing. Oh, oh, it's an amazing place. But uh, I'm not going to give too much away, but there is a special surprise in, 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 uh, in the offering for our guests with regards to uh, Abba Simbel, which they're not aware of. And so I'm not saying any, just in case one of our guests may be listening. Okay. Um, so I don't want to say anything there, but there is a special, special surprise arranged there. And we also have a special uh, surprise arranged for Serebet El Khadim. Even Scotty doesn't know about that one. Um, really? I don't a, know about it yet? No, you don't know about it. It's a special surprise that me and little Mo are putting together. Uh, oh, little Mo is, is our right-hand man over here and, and our producer of Intrepid Radio on KGRA. Oh, very cool. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, no, all seriousness, we're, it's going to be a phenomenal trip. Phenomenal. And, and um, did, did you say you get to go by uh, Gabal El Sicilla too? And you're going yes, to stop we're, there? Yes, we're going to take we're taking a Dahabir, the old sailing boat. We're going to start in Luxor, and uh, we're going to sail down the Nile, stopping. Hopefully, we're going to have time to stop at Esna. It's one temple I really want Scotty to see and the, and the rest of the group. It was. Um, it's completely surrounded by the village, or the town, I should say, of Esna. But the main thing is that the town sits on its roof. And that's how deep the dirt and uh, debris has gathered over the thousands of years that the actual modern day town, which is mostly made of mud brick, by the way, um, is at the roof level. So you have to climb all these stairs to get down to the actual, the, the original ground level, this original courtyard. And in this courtyard is a, is a beautiful old uh, kinesa, a church for a better word, uh, the remains of. And then you've got the temple itself, um, which is a beautiful temple. So I'm hoping we have time to stop there. Um, then we're off to uh, Edfu, and we've got uh, Sosilla, and then Komombo, 
And then we'll stop off in Aswan. We'll be at uh, Philae, Elephantine, the unfinished obelisk, some of the other quarries as well. And uh, then down to Abyssimbal to see the statues of uh, Ramesses II. So, wow. And then back up to Luxor. And then we've got Luxor to do then. You know, Valley of the Kings, Karnak, Luxor Temple, the whole shebang. You know, it's it's going to be a full pact. And, Not to mention uh, like, uh, Daryl Bahri. This is my favorite spot of all. Um, yes. I got I to tell you, historically speaking, and maybe this sounds a big, a bit Pygmalion-ish, uh, although I didn't create it. Hatshepsut, I am thoroughly in love with Hatshepsut. I am sure I would, uh, uh, I could see myself uh, going back in time and trying to court the queen, probably being beheaded. But uh, um, isn't she the one who used to wear a and beard? Not, and not the fun kind <laughs> of beheaded. <laughs> not the fun yeah, kind she, of beheading. But she did, uh, didn't she? She wore a beard, didn't she, guys? She did. <laughs> and a kilt. Was that not I not a dress? Kilt. I could tell. So she was that. really a cross dresser. Kilts aren't cross dressing. <laughs> she. I wore a kilt to my prom, my high school prom. Yes, John has something about kilts. I'm bringing my kilt on the tour, by the way, and uh, going to wear my kilt on tour. So. <laughs> so, but I, I, I do agree with you, though, Scotty. I, I can see where you're coming from, there, brother. Yes. Yes. And and frankly, and I, I, I haven't mentioned this really on air at all, but I'm going to be taking the research that uh, that I did for uh, John's in my book, uh, The Exodus Reality, and uh, writing that as a fictional trilogy of novels. And uh, um, we've got a good agent, a phenomenal agent, both John and I do, with uh, Italia Gandolfo. And uh, we're hoping to see this... Uh, uh, this series of fictional books, uh, and and mind you, this is not going to be your Sunday school fair. But uh, I'm going to take my my candidate for Moses Senenmut, uh, who is under the reign of Hatshepsut when he was in Egypt, uh, and write that story in a fictional setting, uh, so I can fill in a lot of the blanks with fiction, huh. and uh, hopefully make a pretty intensely entertaining. Uh, yet informative uh, set of fictional books. Huh. And, Would it be uh, erotic? Yeah, I was going to say, it must be like a bit of a love story too, right? There will be, yeah. uh, because, well, Senenmut was somebody who, can you just stop over there? Yeah, baby. Yeah, but, yeah baby. Um, there, uh, um, there, there is some speculation, uh, historically speaking, that Senenmut was uh, romantically involved with Hatshepsut throughout his entire career. And uh, um, I, I'm going to build off of that and some other relationships that are, that are there, that are hinted at in history. And uh, so it's nice where you see like the movies are always Moses and Ramses, uh, but uh, both John and I would agree that Ramses so far late in history, um, uh, the, the, I don't think there's an Egyptologist worth his salt that can hold to the Ramesian theory of the Moses story in the Exodus. It's just too far. It's 200 years too late uh, from the facts. But all that aside, um, uh, yeah, the novel is going to deal with adult matter, adult material. Um, uh, it, it's, it, so I'm, I'm working on that, all that to say that. So where I can take this story now, where academically... It's just the facts, man. And you can do a little bit of speculation based on circumstantial evidence. In the book, however, I can take that 10 steps further. Yeah. And yeah. start filling in. I think in the I facts. might do now 50 Shades of Hapu. Yeah. 
shades of Hapu. Uh, what do you reckon? I think that would, I think oh, that'd yeah. be a blockbuster. With cats and I could bring in Hapshit soup with a beard. Yeah, cats. So you, <laughs> so you love Hapshit? How do you say her name? Hapshit soup. Hapshit soup. So, so did you ever think maybe you're you're with maybe you're with her in a past life? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> Is that supposed to be porn music? But ancient porn music. <laughs> That's all I could come up with on fly. I I am in love with this woman. I, she was a beautiful woman, I think. And uh, how'd you uh, know? Maybe in a past life you were what? serving her like. So actually, wait, though, or... before we before we get too far into this, I want to because I think a lot of people think they know who Moses was, and and yeah, and so maybe give a quick rundown for maybe someone who's living under a rock for the last couple thousand years. Mm. On who exactly well, Moses is? Well, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. <laughs> I knew well, that's the, actually it, the guy. In the upcoming, in the upcoming, I used to do a, a presentation on uh, the Nephilim, and I and I mentioned Moses and the Nephilim because he he wrote about he wrote about it in the Book of Genesis, and I always flash up a picture of Charlton Heston as Moses, and I said this is the last existing picture of uh, Moses known to exist. So, uh, and Charlton Heston standing there, but, uh, um, you know, in the upcoming new movie, uh, Ridley Scott is doing a new movie entitled Exodus. And, uh, huh. the guy who played Batman, Christian Bale is playing Moses. Yeah, I could see that. And, uh, uh but he takes the Ramesian theory, which just enrages me. I'm sure I'm going to love the movie for its production value. It's a Ridley Scott movie. He's fantastic at what he does, but I'm like, why the hell? Didn't you get a proper Egyptologist? Why are you going with the Ramses story again? It's so wrong. Uh, so it bothers me. He's just telling the story. He's not worried about historical fa- history. Be damned. Yeah. But uh, um, I forgot what your question was. Oh, who Moses was? Who do we think did, he was? Did Hatshepsut wear a beard? <laughs> yes, she did. Is that part of the? Uh, uh, never mind. But you know what wearing a beard means, right, John? No, enlighten me. Well, when when it, when a gay person has to bring a an opposite sex person. Oh, to I know, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not past the nine o'clock watershed yet. It's only eight or six, eight o'clock in the morning here. <laughs> well, the beard they're wearing a beard. Was simply a ceremonial piece of costuming. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, she didn't like have whiskers. It was a strap on. It was a strap-on beard, yes. Wow, this shows... <laughs> it gets worse, really, doesn't it? Well, of course, there, there is the up above... Barrel. You've fallen in love with a woman that has a strap-on. Yes, I have. And uh, Nothing uh, that. pornographic... No we found pornographic paintings up in a cave wall, a workers' station up above Biero Bahre, her, her temple dating back 3,500 years, showing what they believe to be Senenmut, Shagan Hatshepsut from behind, and uh, she's wearing the pharaonic regalia uh, uh, with the beard and everything, and there's Senenmut uh, uh, having his way with it. So, um, you know, you almost see it. Ooh, baby, baby, get out the beard. Wear the beard, baby. <laughs> you know, well, uh, is it a coincidence that the beard and, and it's from behind? You think there's oh. more to the story? <laughs> oh, oh. Daddy likes it when you wear the beard. Is that like Egyptian role playing, like old uh, old role playing in Egypt? Or is it Egyptian 
ancient I, I think I found the reason why our show back at Paradigm Symposium went off the rails, Scotty. It's oh, Darren. It's, it's Darren. It's Darren and Graham. Well, actually, Darren, it's you Graham, weren't Graham. I was I, No, like, I wasn't right. even there. You right. can't blame me. Well, well yeah, uh, Graham was Graham. channeling you. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Definitely. I well, should have hired oh, a... What the fuck do you call it now where you send a surrogate? I should have hired a surrogate with an iPad. There I could have just FaceTimed me around. Yeah. That would have been interesting. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> Next time. Well, uh, in answer to your very serious question. That was who, Moses in the yeah. rear. <clears throat> uh, who was Moses? Now, we all know him from the biblical stories. He was the guy who... His mother, the slaves being killed, slave children. His mother sent him down the Nile on a basket. The Pharaoh's daughter finds him, raises him in the palace. He murders an Egyptian at age 40, flees to Midian. Forty years later, has a burning bush experience and sees God there. And God tells him to go back and deliver my people. He goes back, plagues, Egypt, uh, Exodus, uh, parting of the Red Sea, the giving of the Ten Commandments, wandering in the wilderness for the next 40 years and dies establishes the nation of Israel, and creates Judaism. And uh, <clears throat> that's, in short, <clears throat> the, who Moses is in the Bible. And he is upheld as a great prophet in uh, Islam, and also uh, uh, so the three major, three major religions of the world, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, all uphold Moses as a great prophet and a great man, and uh, the great lawgiver wrote hmm. the first five books of the Bible. <clears throat> and uh, now if you go into what John and I wanted to find out is there's so many theories out there, but we both have theories on who this man really was because the biblical accounts are very obscure and very vague. Egyptian history has zero mention of Moses and the Exodus. And you'd think with such great events that have moved so many people in different religions over the thousands of years, that Moses, there would be some record of his existence. And other than the Bible, there is no record of him existing that we have found yet. You found you can find secondhand information that seems to imply a plausible character for Moses, but that's where you get in as many different theories. And John and I even have two different theories on who this man was in Egyptian history. And we've set about in this book uh, to establish them. And uh, our theories are divided by about 80 to 90 years in time in the 18th dynasty by two different men. Mine happens to be Senenmut. And uh, I believe Senenmut was, uh, if you take the biblical dating system, and this is the hinge pin for me, is that the, the Bible contains efficacious history. Uh, it's not, I hear so many people poo-poo the Bible because, oh, you can't trust that because it's the Bible. It's a book of faith. And I say, why can't a book of faith or a collection of books of faith contain accurate history? And they're finding more and more biblical archaeology is being done that seems to establish the, the historical efficacy of the Old Testament. And uh, with Moses, there, there, are, there are hinge pin dates in the Old Testament. There's a, uh, you jump way up into the time of uh, Solomon, the king, the son of David, uh, in Israel, and, and he builds the first temple in Jerusalem. And while there's even dispute over the Davidic monarchy and whether even Solomon existed, uh, there, is, there, is, there is even disagreement over whether the first temple 
existed, but this is when you get into who is a biblical minimalist versus a maximalist, if you will. And uh, those who believe that the temple was built by Solomon all place it in the mid-10th century B.C. Uh, it's during a, uh, and they come with the median date of 966 B.C. as the date of the founding of Temple One in Jerusalem, where the Dome of the Rock stands today in Jerusalem, and uh, the remnants of Herod's temple at the Wailing Wall, which was actually the third temple that was built. And so you take that verse in the Bible. It says, on the day that Solomon dedicated the temple in Jerusalem, it was the 480th year since the Exodus. Now, if indeed Temple One was founded right around 966 BC, and if that historical record is accurate in the Bible, it's a rounded up figure more than likely. They didn't say 467 and a half years and four months. They said 480 years you end up with roughly 1445 to 1446 B.C. as the date of the Exodus. And if Moses was indeed, as the biblical account says, 80 years old at the time of the Exodus, that would place his birth around 1526 B.C. Now, the big question then you ask, you have to go to Egyptian history. Who were the pharaohs on the throne during that time? But then you have to deal with the fact there's five or six different chronologies of the kings that skip all over the place. So if you use the Oxford, the accepted Oxford chronology of the English, uh, of the, I'm sorry, of the uh, uh, Egypt. Egyptian kings, um, you end up with roughly uh, the time of, of, of uh, Senenmut and Hatshepsut, and the pharaoh of the Exodus being her stepson's son, Amenhotep II, in 1446, as the, the pharaohs who reigned during the life of Moses. Uh, so Moses would have been born in 1526 during the first year of the reign of Tutmosis I. The pharaoh's daughter, according to the Exodus account, was who found him. They never name any of these pharaohs, never name her. But if this is the dating system that fits, uh, this would have been, uh, the pharaoh's daughter was actually a title in uh, the royal families in Egypt. A pharaoh's daughter was the daughter of the pharaoh, the royal heir to the pharaoh. And the only woman at that time in 1526 who was a royal heir was Hatshepsut. And uh, she was maybe seven to ten years old. If she found Moses in the Nile, the Bible says she turned him back over to his mother to be weaned. And when he was old enough and she was ready to claim him, she took him into the palace at Egypt. And then it skips 40 years ahead to where Moses murders the Egyptian and runs. And uh, yet the Bible says he was there with his entourage. He was part of the royal family. Now, Senenmut lived around the same time period. The dates seem to fit. It's circumstantial evidence that leads to good, solid speculation on the circumstantial evidence. That says Senenmut was the guy who was, uh, who was Moses.
Is there any possibility that uh, it could be a regurgitation, kind of like you see with like Noah, uh, Noah and the Ark and the Flood, and that is probably regurgitated from another myth? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I, I date that back to if Moses wrote about that, um, but I believe he took those stories from Sumerian culture 1,500 years earlier which talk about very similar events of creation, very similar events of, of the flood story. Even some of the names are similar. Uh, the Anunnaki gods in the Sumerian culture were Elil and Enki, also known as Ea in the neighboring uh, uh, Akkadian culture, uh, who, who created primeval man. And you get the whole Edenic story, story there. And... Uh, but the, even those names, 1,500 years later, Elil became El in uh, the Canaanite culture, and El is the name for God in the Hebrew tongue. And uh, uh, El be, begets El Shaddai, El Elyon, uh, um, uh, uh, El, El Eliyah, I think is one of the other ones, and uh, Elohim. And uh, these are the names derived from El, the chief god of the Anunnaki. Uh, Enki Iyah becomes in the Canaanite culture Yahweh, which is the word for Jehovah in the Hebrew tongue. And uh, so all of these things have cross-correlations. I believe huh. Moses took information from past cultures. And without going into a half hour describing that whole, uh, the, the similarities there, uh, trust me, the, the similarities <clears throat> are so close that you have to say Moses borrowed information from other cultures and other religions to establish Judaism. Huh. But you disagree, John? I, no, I don't actually. I totally agree with Scotty. One hundred percent there. What's, what's I, I've your, got no, no disagreement. Even I just on who Moses was he's, and everything. No, no. Well, Scott, yeah, John's got his own version, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, John agrees yeah. with my <laughs> version. He just has to present a counterpoint. So what's your oh. what's your point? My my. Well, it's not really. I mean, this is the beauty. I actually, I I do all joking aside. I I see a lot. Um, of efficacy in Scotty's uh, theory, um, it's and as Scotty quite says quite rightly, you know, it, the problem with my theory, as Scotty will say, is that I I don't rely upon the Bible um, itself per se. I'm looking for a characterization of the Moses figure rather than the actual man himself. I'm looking for a character that could have been used um, by the 72 Judaic scholars at the museum. To who who used that character to invent, from my perspective, the Moses character, the man. Um, and my the, the chap I've, as Scotty said before, the chap I've been looking at is Amenhotep, son of Hapu, the great vizier, the the hereditary crown prince, the great architect of the house of Amenhotep the third, who was the the grandfather to Tutankhamun and the father to the uh, the heretic pharaoh Akhenaten, which you familiar with. Um, and Amenhotep, son of Hapu, was the vizier at the time. He was the great vizier. And uh, he was in charge of the house of Sitaman, who was the daughter and the wife of Pharaoh, Amenhotep III. This, the crown prince, the first crown prince, which was Tufmosis, uh, who was the older brother of Akhenaten, um, both of which these two characters disappear, which allowed really Akhenaten to take the throne. 
um, because if Tufmosis was still around, then Akhenaten wouldn't have taken the throne. So there's a little bit of conjecture there, which I put in the book as well. So it's it, it, it's it's a fascinating story when you when you start to get into it, and when you start to really look at the evidence, both on Hatshepsut, uh, Amenhotep, son of Hapu, even Ramesses. You know, you start delving into the Egyptian history, and you can start to pick up bits and pieces of it that have efficacy within the biblical uh, narrative. It, it's very difficult to actually pinpoint with 100% accuracy and say, this is how it is. And even we don't conclude in our own book that this is how it is. We do not definitively go out and say, this is the truth. Yeah. Um, because you, you can't. Um, that No one can do that, not yet, not without hard, <laughs> hardcore evidence. And, and that's what's missing. Alex Jones you know, says just, it all the time. We just don't have it. You know, we weren't there. We'll never know. And and, 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 and these globalists, they get out there and they throw out these conspiracies <laughs> of Moses and they're all reptilians and they're out there and they form the Illuminati and they are going to take your money. They are going to take your freedom. Carry on, John. That was good. You've been, learn you've been learning well from Micah. <laughs> he does the best I, I... Alex Jones. <laughs> Uh, how am I meant to follow on from that? Sorry, brother. <laughs> Carry on. Oh, just because your lover wears a beard. Um, Indeed. Oh, dear. And it's made of gold. So, yes. I have a but quick question. I, actually, I have a quick question, though. Okay. I, sorry. I want to, this is, I'm going to throw this one at Scotty live on air, um, even though you're not live, but you're on air. All right. Uh, wasn't Sediment a eunuch? No. Is that like a uh, he/she? No, no, that's a, that's a man who has been denuged to be in the to be in the service of the queen. No, I don't think he was a eunuch at all. Are you sure? I'm sure. There are theories that he was a eunuch because, and they because base those theories not because there's any record that says I sentiment was today detesticalized to be in the service of the queen. There's nothing that yeah. says that. Um, there are speculations. Well, according to that, that picture, there's something missing from that picture, is there not? Well, from from the 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 3,500 year old pornographic picture. Yes. Well, is there something missing from there? There's no penis missing, but there the, you don't see testicles. But how many testicles do you actually uh -huh. see? How many uh -huh. testicles do you actually there see? There you go. Hard evidence. Oh boy, he's missing. Hard <laughs> evidence. <laughs> no pun intended. They could be tucked under or something like that. I mean, under. Tell me, Jesus. how many times do you see the god Min's testicles dangling above his erect, below his erect penis? You don't. So, John, are we saying then? Is is Scotty saying that the guy in the porn, the guy in behind, the guy in in the back in the porn is Moses? Yes. Yes. Ah, yeah. Okay, I figured and, it. I thought that is the eunuch. Well, well, mind you, and the uh, one that there... he's actually behind is wearing a strap on. <laughs> Strap on beard. The gates of hell have opened up for us. Let me elevate this conversation for a moment. That Moses could have had sex with the queen, it's not at all out of the question. The picture you get of Moses, when you start reading the subtext between the lines of even the biblical story, he was an arrogant bastard. He was a man who was kingdom-making. Um, I call him in the book, uh, my book, The Rise and Fall of the Nephilim, the chapter on Moses, I entitle it, uh, The Pharaoh God of Israel, because I think what he brought to the table with Israel was all the training he got in the palace in Egypt. 
And he is a man who was, he was separate from the people. He's a man that stood alone. He's kind of an enigmatic character in a way in the Bible. In, the, in, in that, like there are passages that said, he always pitched his tent outside the camp, away from the camp. He didn't want people bothering him. Uh, he would tell people, he wrote in the book of Exodus, and Moses pitched his tent outside the camp, and there God would descend in the form of the cloud on his tent, and Moses would talk face to face with God as a man talks to his friend. Then nine verses later in the same chapter, Moses pens, and no man can see God's face and live. Now, what is that contradiction? What does that mean? I don't think it's a contradiction at all. I think Moses was establishing something there. I am not just a man. I am a brother to the gods, which is what the pharaohs were. Now, keep in mind, Senenmut was named by Hatshepsut. The Bible says she called him Moses when she pulled him out of the, out of the Nile. But according to Egyptian history, somewhere along the way, she renamed him. Just like she had a name. Her name was Matakare. But she, was, she took on her regnal name of Hatshepsut when she became uh, the wife of the pharaoh, or, 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 or came to the throne. And she renamed Senenmut. She raised him to power. She granted Senenmut 92 different royal titles. And all we know about Senenmut in Egyptian history is he was born to commoners. Now, in Egyptian history, would they write child of slaves, or would they write born to commoners? But she elevates him, gives him 92 royal titles, including Grand Vizier, one step off the throne of Egypt. Uh, she makes him the Grand Royal Architect. She, makes him, she, she names him the Hereditary Crown Prince of Egypt. But she also gave him his name. Senenmut means, in Egyptian, mother's brother. In other words... I, your mother, have elevated you to the status of brother to the gods with me. Huh. And I believe this is what Moses carried into ruling over Egypt. Uh, I'm sorry, over Israel. He was the Pharaoh God of Israel. He believed because of his Egyptian training. I, I don't think you can, you can go 80 years and be converted into another religion without bringing with you everything that you've been trained to do. And uh, I believe uh, he was well qualified to be the leader of Israel, but he brought with him all the training to be an Egyptian ruler. And he separated himself from the people, not only physically, but also in status. Uh, when he said, I spoke to God face to face, but no man can speak God to God and live, he's saying, I'm more than a man because I can speak to God face to face. What does that make him? In Egyptian terms, a brother to the gods. Hmm. Or a liar. <laughs> or a liar. <laughs> mm. And uh, God appeared to me in... Uh, it's more like a political uh, scandal, isn't it? Sex for titles scandal. Pretty much. 92 titles bestowed upon him. Because and all he that's left pornographic caricatures. More like sex talk, for titles. What do you think the talk must have been in the palace or in the court about Senenmut? You know why he's got 92 titles? He shags the queen. A eunuch. <laughs> yeah, a eunuch, right. That'd be hard. I could see a eunuch coming to the queen. Was there, was there people <laughs> watching in that painting? Or? What's that? Or in that painting. <laughs> in yeah. that uh, artwork, was there people watching? Like, was it... Uh... Like, like exhibitionism? No. Yeah, yeah. 
No, it's just got the two of them. Okay. Standing okay. behind her, she's mm-hmm. bent over with her hands on looks like blocks of stone in front of her. Can you give me uh, a copy of that? Part of our... Yeah, sure I can. What what is it, John? What are her hands on? She, she she's leaning <laughs> on a pile of our books. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> well, but, so... uh, all joking, all joking aside, it, it it's going to be a phenomenal two weeks. Uh, adventure here in Egypt with uh, the rest of the gang. Um, there's going to be 10 of us gallivanting from site to site, um, taking in as much as we can f- from site to site. And uh, it's, it's just going to be an awesome trip. It really is. So that's that's good. You're confident that Egypt is a, is a fine place to visit right now, even though there's uh, you know a little bit of this stuff going on in the Middle East. So everything... there's, there's, there's more. I mean, there's stuff going on everywhere. We had this yeah. conversation this yeah. morning actually, on, oh, on our you? show. Yeah. Uh, Yesterday, we uh, confirmed, ratified the constitution. That was fantastic news here in Egypt. Uh, a 98% uh, uh, ratification, the yes note, uh, yes vote, I should say, uh, for for the constitution. So that's now being ratified. We're going to go to general elections, hopefully in March. Um, so it, it's it, finally, Egypt is back on track, that, that's, which is great news. Uh, Trouble-wise, Yes, there's trouble everywhere. But, I mean, as we said this morning, we were discussing this, you know, there's trouble in Syria, there's trouble in Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, uh, Libya, Tunisia, Morocco, Spain, France, Germany, Italy, Greece, the former Yugoslav, Russia, uh, England, America. Uh, you know, there, there's trouble everywhere in the world. It doesn't matter where you go, there's always somebody somewhere trying to do some political movement and by expressing himself he either shoots up a bus full of nuns or pulls a secret cord in his vest and goes, Allah Akbar, or, or you know, he's doing something. Um, you can't escape it, especially in today's media as well. I mean, it's instantaneous. Somebody puts a bomb off on some coach somewhere in somewhere in the world and two seconds later you're watching it live on your on your Android phone while you're on the other side of the world. Um, so it's instantaneous news now. So we hear more about it. So I don't think there's, there, there is no problem here in Egypt. I feel safe as houses here, always have done. Um, that's, that's and the, the, the most sensible advice is if you see trouble, you go in the opposite direction. Yeah. Run away! Run away! Run away! Run away! Run away! Run, away. <laughs> so, yeah, run and cower. So, so well, no, no, we don't run and cower. We just run away. Yeah, yeah. And regroup. Yeah. Brave Sir Robin ran away. <laughs> so, are you guys going to go to the pyramid, the Great Pyramid, and the Sphinx? Sphinx yeah. too. Yeah, Sphinx too. I saw. Never been there. I smoked a doobie. No, on the I've Great never. Pyramid. Uh, yeah, I know. That's what she said. Fuck, I, I haven't been there yet. I'm gonna go there and crash at John's place here eventually. Once my kids are old enough that I can. Did you, did you know that I'll we're moving? Them. You better kick Scotty out we're, first. We're, we're moving to Quebec. Sorry, couldn't resist. That's good. I wouldn't move to Quebec if I were you. Why not? You're making a huge mistake. Oh, okay. You, you got any pyramids? Be closer. No, there's no pyramids in Quebec. And you'd have to speak okay. French half the time. Yeah. So, John, one thing I did want to ask you too is um, about yes, the change. The like since the political change there and Zahi Was uh-huh. is out, and now we've mm-hmm. like since we've talked at Paradigm 2012 and then 2013. Like, is is it changed at all as far as like? 
the archaeological thing or is it things opening up at all with the, the Cairo Museum? Like anything changing there? Um, there were some major major changes in the offering. Um, it, we, we've gone through some instability, that's to be sure. One can't dismiss that fact. Yeah. Um, th- with Zowie gone, it's gone through a little bit of a traumatic stage, uh, security-wise. Um, however, that's all back on track now. Um, but that's that's also the greater cause of the, unfortunately, uh, a repercussion of the political instability uh, yeah. and the revolution. So they went hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but uh, things are back on track now. Um, there, is, there are whispers. I keep on hearing whispers that Zowie is going to make a grand return. But uh, I don't see it myself. Not yet. Um, there's, there's too much uh, intrigue around him at the moment. Uh, he, he's, <laughs> to say one of a better word. But archaeologically wise, we've got the Grand Museum. That's going to be opening in a few years' time. That's still going ahead. And uh, as far as the archaeological digs and missions are concerned throughout the whole country, they're, they're starting to come back and making some phenomenal uh, discoveries. Good, good. So it, it's, it's, it's business as usual, really, for us over here. Mm. It hasn't really changed. It's just been a bit muted. Right, okay, okay. So what are some of the – is there any new discoveries you can t- tell us about? I mean, anything you, that, that uh, people well, don't uh, hear about on the – you know watching TV or whatever. Well, the, not really, no. I mean, there's nothing major coming out at the moment, uh, except for, of course, the one, I don't know if you've caught the news on this one, the one at the Abydos, with uh, the the discovery of the, the king, the new pharaoh, Sineb K, that came out uh, last week, I believe, or this this week, sorry, I believe it was. No, I, no that's I first I saw something about it, but just give us a quick little, uh, quick little update. There's, there's nothing else to say. That's, that's it. Okay. <laughs> they found a dress, they found a dress block. Um, just because they uh, rediscovered the uh, the large sarcophagus or the tomb area of uh, Sobek Hotep, and within that, or just to the side of it, they found a dress block with his cartouche on this uh, Seneb K. Um, but you know, he it's this is we were discussing this the other day actually on the radio. Um, that even within archaeology, we have to sometimes put our hands in the air and say, okay, we made a mistake. Um, there were mistakes made with original translations of some names on artifacts that were found back in the, I believe it was the early 1908 or thereabouts. Yeah. And one of them was a, was a, what they called a magical wand. And on this magical wand is Seneb K's cartouche. So he, he's not a, a whole new found pharaoh that's never ever existed and we never knew anything about him. Um it's just that we he he kind of mm-hmm. fell into the uh, into the darker side of the of the pharaoh list, but now they're starting to find more and more stuff. Uh, one of the wonderful finds was a canoptic jar chest, uh, which they found with his uh, cartouche on. But it actually also had the cartouche of Sobek Hotep. So what they think is that uh, this Seneb K had actually taken the funerary wear of Sobek Hotep and oh. used and reused it for himself, huh. usurping it basically and just put his own name on it and uh, used it for himself instead of using it for anybody else. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. And we're, it's continuing. As long as archaeologists have trials on the ground, we're, we're never never going to be bored. Yeah, there's lots there to be discovered still, right? Of course, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All today. All the time. labyrinth? Do you guys oh. still have to find the labyrinth? Oh, I would know to go walking in there. Is the labyrinth found or is that shit still missing? <laughs> they know where it is. Yes, it's a Hawara. Um, but um, there's a whole 
controversy around this one. Unfortunately, there's there's no direct evidence to link it. There, there's been ground penetrating radar that showed that there are some anomalies in the area that could be assigned to the structure of the labyrinth, um, but it's all very um, circumstantial. What about the Great Pyramid? Can we and say, is it safe to say that that was made with acoustic levitation yet? <laughs> no. We just had this conversation, too. Look, I can, I can do it. Do you listen to our show? Are you levitating over there? <laughs> he's, he's trying to. Oh. 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 Oh, I'm rising off my chair. I'm moving the, <laughs> I just moved the desk like a foot. Oh, my, my, my strap on is moving. <laughs> Back it's to that. Fast. That's going to be the cover art. That's going to be the cover art yeah. for this episode yeah. is that doggy style dude on. I was going to say oh, yeah. that too. Did you, both, uh, did you both see that? Yeah, he pulled it up. He pulled, he it, pulled up. it up. He pulled it up. I hope he, I hope he rose to the occasion, sir. Sentiment <laughs> yeah. certainly did. Oh, what? The eunuch. Yes. Okay, back to that again. Yes, the eunuch sentiment. What a, what a fallacy. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, sir, you're so jesty. Thank you. <laughs> so is there going to be another paradigm this year? Are you coming back, John? Coming oh, back over, yes. Scotty? Are we doing this I, I, thing I again? I should hand the floor really over to, over to Scotty for paradigm, but uh, go for it, Scotty. Mark Hit your calendars, it. October 2nd through the 5th of this year, the first weekend in October, Paradigm Symposium 2014. Now, we have quite a speaker list, an impressive speaker list. list. Uh, take the best of 2012, the best of 2013, add a few more phenomenal speakers, and you will end up with Paradigm 2014. Now, there are things we cannot announce yet, because while we have had some, some conversations and mm -hmm. some confirmations, we do not have contracted people yet. Yeah. Uh, we, have to, we have to go through that stage before we can make public announcements, but hopefully in the next three weeks, we'll be making some announcements. We want to launch official ticket sales by February 7th for this event. We know where it's going to be held. It's going to be at the uh, Women's Club of Minneapolis, which is uh, about a 100-year-old building overlooking uh, the inner city park, Loring Park, with the, the pond there, and you see the skyline right behind it. And uh, this is an old building that has that kind of Victorian Edwardian charm to it. Um, if it wasn't called the Women's Club, you'd think it was an old men's club, you know, because it's got, it's got all the old woodwork and the old. Uh, it was actually called the Men and Women, the Men and Women's Club of Minneapolis, I think, was the original name. Maybe it was and, a unit uh, club. It sounds like, yeah, I was going to say that. It sounds like. And uh, they've got a 650-seat theater there with the full stage, uh, the ballroom where we're going to hold the expo as well. And uh, the dinner will be there in the upper dining room. And there's the big lobbies uh, lounge that has the big marble fireplaces and um, the terrace overlooking uh, the park. And it's a gorgeous setting. Oh, that's great. And uh, uh, this will be, uh, again, October 2nd through the 5th, 2014. Phenomenal speaker list. Think of the uh, one of the bigger speakers, biggest speaker we had. At, at our first paradigm in 2012, and uh, that person has, has uh, committed to coming uh, again, and uh, plus several others. So um, it's going to be quite the phenomenal event because we are, we are making some changes in that 
uh, we're going a bit deeper this year with the substructure of the of the of, of the paradigm, as well as the people are going to be speaking. And uh, I think that we are more than likely going to shoot for packing out that auditorium. Great. So, well, we'll be pl- we'll be plugging simple. that uh, we'll be plugging that on our show for the next uh, few months. There, we'll keep everybody Fantastic. up to date. Yeah. So, where where are people yeah. staying then? Uh, are they staying in the women's well, no, men's no, club or? They're not staying at the women's club. There are hotels all within just a few blocks. Oh, that's good. So within walking distance or maybe? All walking distance. Five from the women's club. Uh, Unlike St. Paul uh, and Graham, you were here in St. Paul. Um, The twin cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. St. Paul is a little quainter city. It's a little more old-fashioned. They roll up their carpets at 5 o'clock every night and every weekend which we weren't quite fully aware of until we had the, the symposium there, and we found out after Friday at 5 o'clock, the city closes down, and uh, there was no place for people to eat. The hotels, uh, St. Paul is on hills, and uh, if you walk to your hotel, you're walking a mile uphill. Um, but now in Minneapolis, we're in different terrain. It's flat. Um, it is uh, a bustling city. It is open 24-7, practically. And uh, there's a lot to do right around the women's club there. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, so the hotels, we have not secured the exact hotel we're going to be using yet. I've talked about five or six different hotels there. We're going to get the best deal uh, for our people. It's a downtown hotel. So unlike the first year uh, where we were able to keep it just barely under $100 a night for people uh, in St. Paul, it was 110 per night. In Minneapolis, it's going to be around the same Maybe another ten dollars on top of that per yeah. night. Yeah, oh, that's okay. Because so, uh, we're in an, we're in a city hotel as opposed to suburban. Yeah, hotel. yeah. No, it's good to be uh, down downtown like that. And so, cab ride five minutes to the, any one of these hotels. Yeah. Uh, if you walk, you can walk around the park through the park, um, and uh, just a couple of blocks away, you've got the, like the Millennium Hotel, you've got the Fauché Hotel, you've got the the Hyatt, you've got the Hilton, you've got everything is right down there. We're just we're waiting to see who's going to give us the best deal for having uh, 250 to 400 people stay at their hotel. So it might be spread through a couple of those hotels. Yeah, then. no, that's that's great. But all activities are going to take place at the women's club. They have their own uh, kitchen facilities, so the banquet will be there. Uh, the uh, Any of the cocktail parties will be right there in their bars. People can order food right there. Um, so there's going to be, uh, everything is self-contained there. Yeah, and so good. all people have to do is go back to the hotel to sleep. That's good. So, Hey, I wanted to ask you guys also about, uh, your Exodus adventures. Cause you guys are sold out for February this year. Are you having another one after that? Yes, we are. Yeah, indeed. When will that be in the summer? That's going to be two weeks after the paradigm symposium, October 13th through the 25th. Okay, are, so there's two of them this year. Okay. Thanksgiving's the 13th. Okay. That's, uh, oh, is that Canadian Thanksgiving? Yeah. Also okay. Real Our, Thanksgiving. So what do you get Our, Thanksgiving for? For being the shit. For being, for, for Her Majesty the Queen? <laughs> or to give thanks. For being, for being the, the queen. For, for, for America not invading them and taking them over. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Or for not being eunuchs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all I am. I'm thankful for that every day. My five <laughs> children are are a testament to my non-unicness. Non-unicity. Unicosity. 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 
non-unicosity. So are you guys going to book with us? Are you going to be the first two to book for the uh, the October gig? Uh, I'm seriously uh, I'm seriously considering <laughs> it. Pretty tough for me to get away uh, for two weeks. My wife would probably shoot me if I just said I'm going to Egypt for two weeks. Let's bring her along. Yeah, and the, then I get a haul uh, to, well... No, my, I'd have to wait till my kids are a little older now to take on something like that. I, I actually understand your pain. I feel your pain there. I, I have a wife who cannot come on these trips right now uh, simply because uh, we, we cannot leave our small children for two weeks. And, yeah. uh, and she doesn't like to fly. And flying 21 hours to get to Egypt. Uh, we went to Washington, D.C. a few years ago, which is a three-hour flight. My wife had the the affectionately known as the barf bag out of the pocket of the seat in front of her, and uh, holding that to her face most of the trip. When we landed, it was like 110 degrees and 110% humidity and dew points, and it was just drippy, hot, and wet. We walked on the mall from the White House all the way up to the Lincoln Memorial, which is about a mile down the mall, and uh, we stopped for ice cream. And she said, I want one of those rocket pops, the popsicles that are red, white, and blue, and they're shaped like a rocket. And she pulls the wrapper off, oh. and it's so hot outside, <laughs> it melted and fell off the stick and pff, right on the ground. And my wife turned to me after all of that. This was two hours after we got off the plane. We had trouble getting the rental car, everything. She turns to me, and she goes, I hate Washington, D.C. <laughs> so um, she hates flying. I'll be so. at Paradigm though this year. I, uh, we're planning to come to that for sure. So, and I will seriously That's... consider uh, the uh, Exodus. Uh, it, it would, would be, be great to have you there. I'd love to have you there at both events. At both events. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we'll be like I said. We'll be pumping the tires of Paradigm uh, all year. So that'll be good. Fantastic. And we we Exodus. do have to add that we have now entered into quite a uh, an interesting collaboration with. Uh, KGRA Radio, where we do our show, and uh, we are collaborating to uh, be, actually, uh, we have become Intrepid Magazine, is now the official publication of KGRA, and KGRA is the official radio voice of Intrepid Magazine and Paradigm Symposiums. Oh, great. So, uh, Good. Um, that will be an, an interesting, that's a new twist on everything we're doing, trying to build a nice media block there where where people can kind of have an all-in-one and... and uh, um, uh, both in uh, written word and spoken word. Did I hear you say something about you guys are working on another book in your show, during your show? We are. We are. Yes, we so are. Scotty's working on his... The, besides the porn, porn books? <laughs> well, that's it. Scotty's working on his trilogy of porn, uh, yes. eunuchs and strap-ons. Um, uh, the, <laughs> 50, shades of, 50 Shades of Abu or whatever no, Apu. I'm doing that. I'm, do, I, I'm going to bring that. that oh, shit. okay. 50 okay. Um, and see how far I get with that one. We're going to uh, do a like, graphic novel great. with that one. If you need a hand with that one, John, just let me know. Can I do a pop-up book? <laughs> <laughs> a oh little, a little, little whip and some handcuffs pop up. And... Yeah. And you've got those little tags yes. that you pour and they do things. <laughs> I have visions now. John, um, John, for the scholar he is, is a foul, foul little man. Yeah, he's very wow. frisky tonight. He's frisky. I, it's the well, morning for me. That's why. I, I, I must say, he has he has a gorgeous wife to be, a 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, Graham, you met uh, Maria Nilsson, Dr. Yep. Maria Nilsson. She is a scholar, scholar and an academic, but she is probably one of the most, um, how would you say this, uh, fetching, uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Swedish women I have ever known. Yep. Fit as a fiddle. And, uh, oh, yes. Uh, John is a happy man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> But no, we also we're doing our, our next next book, uh, which we will finish this year, um, is on the lost armies of Pharaoh, uh, which follows the uh, the the armies of Cam Cambys, or as Scotty would like to say, Cambyses. Keep in mind, it's um, spelled it's spelled C A M. Guys, how would you pronounce C A M B Y S S E S S E S. B Y S E S. Yeah, Cambyses or something like Cambyses. that. Yeah. John says it's Cambus. Yeah. So there you go. But that's like those English towns like Worcestershire when it's really just Worcester. It's, it's Wor Worcester. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. That's Worcester sauce. Worcester. Worcester or Worcestershire. Or Leicester is pronounced Leicester. Say it with yeah, yeah. me. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Worst Worst like I'm from Hereford or Herefordshire or Leicester or Leicestershire. Leicestershire. No, it's not Leicester. Like, like like Leicester. Anyway, the okay. book. <laughs> what was it called again? Cambi Cambyses. But it's about yeah. the, the lost, the lost uh, armies Cannabis. of the pharaoh? The lost armies of Cambyses. Yes. Of cannabis. The last armies of cannabis as he as he wanders the desert in search of his eunuch. No, we don't need. <laughs> he was he was heard by the historian Herodotus to say, "Whoa, man!" Yeah, the lost army of cannabis never fought anybody. <laughs> but there was actually a eunuch in the story. There is actually a eunuch. All joking aside, there is a eunuch in the story because it was actually, if I remember rightly, the Greek mercenary, the captain in charge of the Greek armies of Pharaoh. Under Pharaoh Amenho, Amen, Amos the Second, I believe it was. Um, he was a Greek mercenary, and he was a eunuch. No, he wasn't a eunuch. He he escaped, and the Pharaoh sent the court eunuch after him. He never caught up with him. No, huh. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, there was a eunuch in the story. I knew there was yeah, a eunuch in the story. I could go fetch him. <laughs> 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 this is the most feared man on the planet at the moment. The most feared Greek mercenary. They send a eunuch after him. I think there's a little bit behind oh. the story there. Oh, oh, great Pharaoh. I cannot impregnate a woman, but I do run fast. You could probably run faster when you don't have your balls slowing you down. I wonder, I wonder. <laughs> certainly oh, guys, it's been great. Great speaking with yeah, you. Yeah, this has been good. Yeah, this has been really fun. So is there anything it's else you guys want to... Anything else you guys want to plug or uh, anything else you want to tell well, us yes. before? Oh, well, uh, let's just, just do a little plug for Intrepid Magazine. Uh, yep. That is our, our magazine yep. and a uh, new issue coming out very shortly. And uh, we mm -hmm. have been a digital magazine all the way along. We created, as a matter of fact, if you say go to your Kindle Fire and you order National Geographic magazine, um, that is sent to you the same way we do Intrepid Mag for the last two plus years is that we, um, Intrepid Mag is, is made to go to print, but we burn it down to a PDF and we, we release it digitally. 
And uh, now we are we are taking it a step further. And uh, aside of the of the subscription rates, we are now going to offer uh, individual magazines uh, on a uh, uh, POD or print on demand basis, where you can go in and you have to pay an extra price for it above and beyond your subscription. But each issue will be made available in print form now. So uh, that's, a, that's a new twist on Intrepid Magazine coming. I mean, you just go to IntrepidMag.com, and you can subscribe for $16.95 a year. And uh, uh, above and beyond that, we will have links uh, very shortly put up to uh, order the hard copies if you wish to have those for your own personal collection. Do you contribute to that, John? Do you have a column in there or anything like that? I do. Yes, I contribute. I have been contributing and will continue to do so. Very nice. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm quite hyped actually. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this coming year and the combination between Intrepid Magazine, KGRA Radio, our own radio station, Intrepid Radio itself, the Paradigm Symposium, our books that we're hoping that we're continuing to do, uh, the trips that we're doing here in Egypt, and also hopefully, you know, uh, further Paradigm Symposiums and, and further expos so it, it's going to be a really exciting year plus we've got the publishing arm that's lifting off now as well um so th there's a lot of irons in the fire so to speak so it's going to be a, a phenomenal year yeah phenomenal. And, then, and then you've also got your dig oh uh, yeah, you yeah. know i mean your day <laughs> job they kind of you know got to help marie out that, there that too right together. yeah oh yeah that's coming to go we, we we arrive on site on the uh where are we now february 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 1st of March, we, we arrive on site and we'll be there for two months and then back again in the autumn for another two months. Oh, good. Um, so it, it's, it, we're really looking. This, this first two months, this, this first season we're doing this year, um, we've got the pleasure of some uh, great academics joining us, Professor Jim Harrell, and uh, the rest of the crew is going to be there and it's going to be a great, great time. We're looking forward to it anyway. And Scotty's going to be there. I will be the there as week. well. Great. Well, we need guys. a new coffee maker. <laughs> That's my usual eunuch. He's, he's not available. I'm just picturing uh, something I shouldn't picture. But, Scotty uh, is a eunuch? Yeah, making a coffee. Mm. With a strap-on beard. Um, it goes I, hand in hand, doesn't it? I do have to find a strap-on beard. I do. <laughs> I'll put it on Rainy. Rainy. Grab can send you his. You in this. Oh man, that was under the belt. <laughs> well, it's been it's been uh, it's been seriously a fun time chatting with you guys, and uh, we will... love great. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us. Thank you for the levity and uh, yes. uh, for letting us uh, just have a conversation like guys. Yeah, what's awesome? Yeah, yeah it's great. We'll uh, be doing no, it again actually, for sure. All joking aside, guys, this is what I I love shows like this where we're you know you can just hang out and. Chew the cud, as you say, and yeah, just yeah. say what comes to mind, talk about general stuff and have a bit of a laugh as well. And at the same time, be a little bit serious. And uh, But uh, that's what life's about. You know?
So, Darren, that was our chat with Dr. John Ward and Scotty Roberts. Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely had a laugh and uh, a light conversation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was nice to uh, kind of see those two let their guard down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. So imagine, imagine traveling around Egypt for like ten days with those two guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe like, one of these days I'll get in on it. Hopefully, uh, it sticks around. You, we'll send you maybe next year. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I mean, Egypt is fascinating on its own. Imagine just going, like, kind of backdooring it with those guys. <laughs> A American abroad. Is that really how you wanted to say that? Backdooring it with those guys? Yeah, that's okay. It, it fits with the episode. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Um. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, that was a good one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I think we actually might get in touch with them uh, for a little segment or two while they're actually on their expedition in Egypt. Um, so we're going to try and, and swing that. We've been talking in touch with them about it a little bit already, so we'll see if we can't put that together. Yeah, that'll be on their Exodus reality adventure, like right, right from the... Right from the dunes. Yeah, right from the dunes. Right from the... On a cell phone. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, please uh, get a hold of us if you want. Any, uh, we like to hear feedback. Yeah, yeah. You can uh, get us uh, Darren at Grimerica.com, uh, Graham at Grimerica.com, Twitter's at Grimerica. Of course, you can find that all on the contact page at the website, uh, grimerica.ca slash contact. Uh, next week, we'll have Daniele Bolelli episode will come out. Uh, that was another great chat. Yeah, after that, we'll have Artie Six Killer Clark come out. Yeah, yeah, talking about uh, some... Encounters with the star people. <laughs> yeah, that'll be coming out after that. Uh, that's as far as we've got planned right now, I think. Well, but... we got lots lined up, though. But the, yeah, there's tons lined up. We'll never run out of people, that's for sure. No. Or ideas. Or ideas, exactly. Yeah, send us your feedback, things you got, things you think we should do or yeah, shouldn't guess, do, or let us know. you want to listen to. And get your Grimerica flyers. Yeah, send the pictures. Take a of picture, your send them in. We got one picture from Jared. He tweeted in that we can, I can start the page maybe. Uh, maybe actually by the time this comes out, I'll try and have that page started. Uh, so that people can go and check out the gallery as it as it comes. Cool. But I think that about wraps it up, guys. Uh, you'll find uh, the show notes. Graham will find, uh, track down all the shit we talked about. And you can go explore those more if you choose. And, of course, all the music you heard will be uh, in there as well. Yeah, thanks, buddy, for another great show. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. All right. Martian style. Martian style. 
Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to become a Martian. Reading Stephen Hawking books, man, space is fucking awesome. NASA told me that I have to be a U.S. citizen, so I settled for the dream of CEO or president. But then Mars One came, a small Dutch company that made all my career plans change. It's like Big Brother meets Alien meets The Hunger Games. My parents told me to forget it, but my dream remained, and I have zero shame. Programmer, entrepreneur, that's me. Read my CV. Scientist, ACM finalist, you need me on your team so we can make a difference for humanity. Do it Martian style. Martian style. Do 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 it do it Martian style Martian style do 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 it do it Martian style Hey purple ladies do 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 it do it Martian style You can get babies when when you do it do it Martian style do it Martian style Hey guys, thanks for watching my Mars One application video. Um, while the video was meant to be funny, the message is actually entirely serious. Uh, truly, I truly believe that uh, colonizing Mars is the next big step for mankind, and uh, it's been my childhood dream for the longest time to be part of this endeavor. Um, so for those of you unfamiliar with Mars One, it's a nonprofit organization that seeks to establish a permanent settlement on Mars by the year 2023, and they already have literally hundreds of thousands of applicants that have submitted their applications in hopes to be chosen as one of the lucky six to end up going on this mission. Uh, and obviously I'm one of, the, one of the hundreds of thousands of applicants. So if you like this video, if you like me, please support my Mars One application. The link is right here. Uh, just, just go there and vote for it. And if you have any friends, anyone who you, you think will be interested in this video or in the mission, please share it with them. It will, uh, it will really mean the world to me. Thank you.